Hello, everybody, and welcome back to So I Used to Be in a Band. My name is Jim, and I used to be in a band, yes, but, you know, everybody has that guy they played with in a band, you know, that, that guy's my drummer, that guy's my lead singer, these people I've played with over the years, but there'll never be another guitar player that I've ever played with that, you know, I struck up a friendship and had such a great time playing music with as Jeremy Case from Cinderblock Baby. He was on the last show. I think we digressed a little bit in that episode, Jeremy, as the four of us went late into the night. But uh, it was great to chat with you then, and I'm happy to have you here today, Jeremy. Welcome to the show. Thanks. Glad to be here. Yeah, it's nice to have you here. I was saying, you know, as we were catching up before the show, that, you know, a lot of people know Lenny lived with me. Lenny slept on my floor. I slept at his place. Tim, you know, started the band ahead of time with me. I think... There were many times when Tim didn't want to drive back to Buskirk, New York, and asked if he could crash on the floor at my place. But the funny thing is, Jeremy, you lived around the corner. And I probably spent less time with you than I did with either <laughs> of those two guys. Because <laughs> at the end of the night, you you're like, I'm going home. And you just... <laughs> You were like just a, a quarter mile around the corner, no matter yeah. where you needed to go. Right around the block. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, you know, we, we, we had a great time playing in a band together 25 years ago. And I, I still remember, you know, you coming into the band and we'll get to that. I, we you know we, you came in and we played acoustic first, which was kind yeah. of interesting and how we approach things. But I, you know, I never had those late night chats with you. I never had those moments where, you know, hey, Jeremy, when when did you get your first guitar and start playing? Here I am 25 years later with you on my podcast. And I'm going to ask you, when did you start playing guitar? <laughs> <laughs> well, is, are you are you asking me now? Yeah, let's let's go. Right. Yeah. OK, so. Well, I I guess it's it's uh, it's it, it's a little bit subjective because. I actually got my first guitar when I was about 11 mm-hmm. uh, and it was a, it was a Harmony Silverburst Les Paul copy mm-hmm. um, that I got from JC Penney's. <laughs> nice. Uh, and, you know, to back up a little bit, I mean, I really kind of, I had begged my guitar or my, my, I had begged my parents for a guitar for a couple of years mm-hmm. um, leading up to that point. You know, I, I mean, I kind of always wanted to do that. So, you know, I got to the point where they were like, okay, fine, we'll get you a guitar. They got me this Harmony um, guitar out of the JCPenney catalog, which is kind of funny. And I kind of just messed around with that thing for a year or two, probably until I was about uh, maybe 11. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, I, th- I think I was about 11. I was in uh, middle school or junior high, we called it back then. And um, <laughs> so that was about two years later. And, and, and they had seen me like basically just doing like making noise with this thing for two years and not having a clue what I was doing. Did you have an amp? And yeah, I okay, did. Yep, yep. I did, but it was a little, you know, little like practice amp that, yeah. that came with the guitar. You know what I mean? So, but I could make noise with it. And mm-hmm. I had like kind of figured out a couple of little things on my own. Um, and uh, finally, uh, just at, well, right, right at Christmas time, um, I think I was in seventh grade and, and they had decided, well, he's, you know, he's, he's, he's kind of committed to it. So they, they actually got me another guitar, 
um, a nicer one, which was actually a, it was a Squire, which is a mm-hmm. Fender knockoff like Stratocaster. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it was a Super Strat, so it was like one of these Strats that had a, like a humbucker in the bridge position, and it had a Floyd Rose whammy bar on it, and a lot, nice. all of that. So it was like you know one of those you know something like Eddie Van Halen would have played basically. My grandmother paid for lessons, so oh, I took I took six weeks of guitar lessons from a friend of hers who was you know, this kind of old retired guy who, Mm -hmm. um, you know, had done well for himself and had some, you know, one of his hobbies was playing guitar. And so he had a nice setup. He had this like nice Les Paul Black Beauty and 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 an old Fender amp. And, you know, I took lessons from him for about six weeks, Mm -hmm. learned the, you know, the major and the minor chords, like the seventh chords, just like all the open chords that you would learn. Um, and all the notes up the fingerboard on the low E string so that I could, you know, know where to put that bar chord and play it. Um, and after about six weeks, I was, I, I just kind of took off and that's where, that's where went, I went. went so from there. My, yeah. Yeah. So as you were, as you were learning guitar and developing, cause you know, I, it's funny when you talk about how you're 13 and, you know, it's, it's really only about five or six years later that I met up with you. Yeah. Uh, what, you know, in your development of playing guitar, were you a, a, a tab reader? Did you learn by ear? Did you go back and forth between it? So I guess I would probably say it, it, at that point, see, you got to remember this was the early 90s, uh, late 80s, early 90s when when I, I started playing and tablature wasn't as readily available as it is now. Yeah, I mean, that's you could true. buy books and you yep. could buy like, for me, a lot of it was, I'd say that my um, learning was probably maybe 80% um, just jamming along to the radio mm-hmm. and learning songs that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and then about, you know, maybe 20% of it by learning from tablature from guitar magazines, because you had probably three or four different guitar magazines that would come out each month. And each one of them would have like maybe three songs tabbed in yeah, it. Yeah. And, you know, out of those three songs, there was maybe one that you really wanted to learn. And then the rest of them were <laughs> kind of like, okay, I already figured this out. Or, and then there'd be one that like, you didn't even care about. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So, you know, so it was probably, you know, at least maybe three or four songs a month that I would learn by, you know, but from tablature and then the rest of it, like, I really just spent a lot of time, you know, uh, I literally, I, I probably spent four or five hours a day, every day, um, just playing along to the radio. Mm-hmm. You know, I would just flip there. And there were a lot more radio stations then too, it seems. I mean, you had a, a pop station, a country station, two rock stations, a, a hard rock <laughs> station, a classic rock station, you know? And so, um, you know, just, we would just kind of flip through the radio and um, I would just play along to that. And that's how I, I kind of learned and trained my ear. You know, it also gave me a, a pretty good sense of timing, too, because you're always playing along. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Music yeah you're, that you're is keep um, the time of the radio. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. That's great. So, well, I would guess that when you're playing tablature and you're learning that, even just learning some of the licks that you would learn from a song that you might necessarily want to play, you mm-hmm. know, that lick itself, you could hear it in a different song that you did want to learn how to play. And at least that would be transferable right. that way. So that's why that was a good part of the learning process for you. Yeah. Well, you know, you can be universal that way, playing along with the radio. Like I didn't care a lot of times what I was playing. I mean, I, I preferred blues, classic rock, hard rock, grunge, all that stuff. But, mm-hmm. you know, you kind of play along with whatever comes on the radio and you sort of end up as sort of like a jukebox after a while. Like you just <laughs> kind of have this like, you know, encyclopedia and it's easy for you to kind of pick up on tones and figure stuff out quickly. Cause 
that's what you do. Yeah. I must say, I also yeah. have to give credit to Doug Mark's Metal Method guitar video lessons that I took <laughs> on VHS. That was, that was okay. I bought those videotapes <laughs> and watched those and they would be hilarious. You should totally look them up on YouTube sometimes. See if you can find Doug Mark's Metal Method guitar video. I wish and I'd gotten those You'll, you'll have a window into my soul there for a little while uh, when I first started playing. <laughs> Do you remember yeah. those where there's a will, there's an A? <laughs> that was supposed to improve your grades at school VHS. Yeah. That's what my parents got me. So okay. yeah, well, this you, was kind of similar. Only it, it was it, like, it didn't it, help me at all. <laughs> this, this was really similar only in, involved a, you know, spandex and hairspray. Oh, there you go. There you go. So, <laughs> you know, it, it, those early years of playing guitar were pre grunge years. Then, you know, you're yeah. talking 11 years old. So your first guitar heroes were not, the 90s hipsters they were the oh, hair no. metal guys yeah my first guitar heroes when i first really i mean so i grew up in a household where um there was you know some households there's just always music playing yeah, yeah. you know um that was that was kind of my household my, mm -hmm. my my parents always had the radio going they always had like they had a big record collection you know we had the eight track player in the in the car that was always playing um and so it was pretty early on that i decided that you know, I mean, I, I, it wasn't like I only wanted to do that. I played with G.I. Joes and Legos <laughs> and Transformers and everything, too. But one of the things I used to do was also kind of really I got into music a lot. And so it was pretty early on, I would say that the early 80s when, you know, the early to mid 80s, when I decided that I, I want to play music mm -hmm. um, and my heroes at that point. Yeah. Were the guys like, um, you know, Eddie Van Halen yeah. and, um, you know, Steve Vile that, you know, all those yep. guys, but also because of my parents' influence, I, I was into things like Eric Clapton and Santana and mm -hmm. Credence and all of that stuff too. But I think that probably I, you know, one of the aha moments for me as a kid was probably right around 1986 with, if, which if you, if you remember, um, I don't know how much of a Van Halen fan you were at that point, but, um, you know, they, they put out their 1984 album in 1984 and that was yes. the last album yeah. with David Lee Roth. And then the first album with Sammy, Sammy Hagar joined the band mm -hmm. and they put out their album in 1986, which was um, 5150 right around that time. Of course, David Lee Roth had come out with his sort of, he went off on his own solo stuff too. And he had this guitar player, Steve Vai, who used to who started out in Frank Zappa's band. Mm -hmm. And I just remember, you know, there was a lot of interesting things, um, guitar driven music coming out at that point. And I remember hearing this song Yankee Rose on the radio um, <laughs> one night at the, in the summertime, you know, which, of course, is, you know, it's it's really campy. If you were to listen to it now, it's like sitting right, right and then it starts with the like guitar, like the guitar is talking. They're like having a conversation <laughs> back and forth. It's like, you know, yeah. wah, wah, you know, all this really wah, 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 weird, yep. yeah. like jokey stuff. But, um, but that particular song, I remember at, at the, at, you know, at that moment, um, he, he hits this open G chord at the beginning and it just like, it roars, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? And that's just one of those guitar sounds that I was just like, yeah, I know that's, that's totally like what I want to do. I have no um, problem at all with Steve Vai being one of your main influences of guitar playing. Yeah, yeah, Steve Vai, he's tremendous. He, you know, he's yeah. classic himself. He, uh, you know, was replaced by Jason Becker on the next David Lee Roth album, who right. I have an earlier show on the podcast where another guy and I have an extensive conversation about Jason Becker and his yep. playing. And yeah. So that type of playing, man, you know, I grew up with that. You know, yeah. I, I remember, I want to talk about knowing about you 
And I knew about you before I even knew Tim. I knew you were in town. I knew That's there was really this funny. guy who played guitar and it was because of Senny. It was because of, it was because of Chuck. Yeah. So, so Chuck had Kevin as his guitar player and Kevin was, uh -huh. a, you know, a great guitar player, but I remember Chuck, you know, would come around and talk to me about, you should start a band and there's this guy case, you know, and I was over at cases and he was playing Ozzy, you know, and it was, That's you know, really you know, playing the, you, cause you were, you played those eighties, Randy Rhodes riffs. You played those Eddie Van Halen riffs. You weren't shy about that music in a world where everything was kind of shifting and turning towards, well, now that stuff isn't cool anymore. <laughs> right. And now it's cool. Again. And now it's cool again. <laughs> you know, but I, I remember Chuck coming over and just being like, you know, this case, case, case guy and hearing about him. When we get to get down, Sammy, uh, I'll <laughs> let you know a little bit more about, you know, the, the prelude of that as it came along. But I want to talk about when you came to Cinderblock Baby and when you joined the band yeah. with, with Tim and I. I don't remember how you joined the band. I do remember having a conversation with Tim and saying, you know, we'd like, really like to have Jeremy come to the band and join. But was it a case of just Tim coming and asking you if you wanted to join us? Because I don't know. I, well, so I, that part's a little fuzzy, but I do remember the first time we all played, you and Tim and I played together. Mm -hmm. um, I think Tim had probably gotten a hold of me at one point and said, look, I'm going to bring Jim over so we can jam a little bit. Cause I mean, that, that was kind of the, the scene at my house. Yeah. Most yeah. of the time anyway, like I had, you know, I had all my gear set up there. And so I remember you and Tim coming over and we played through some songs at my house, at my, my apartment that I had mm -hmm. in Bennington around the corner from your place. Um, and uh, it kind of went from there. I think, uh, I think that I, I think that was an informally sort of an audition. I, I, I remember <laughs> I remember Tim coming over and being like, well, you know, because Tim, Tim and I had played and obviously yeah, for years he and I clicked like brothers mm -hmm. when it came to guitar. It was like, you know, any of the, you know, duo brother, you know, brother duos in, in rock and roll. Like we, we, we had played together so much. Jeremy, so I saw that 100%. We could click. Yeah. Uh, and so I think he, he was like, well, I'm going to, I'm going to bring this guy who I'm, I'm jamming with now over and we'll see how, you know, if there's chemistry there and, and I think there was, you know, pretty much right off the bat, like we were able to all gel together. And and then I think the next time was us, um, you know, playing over because that at that point, I think I, you two probably played. I think if I remember right, Tim played acoustic. Um, I had my electric guitar set up and you were singing. OK, I don't remember if you played guitar or not that night. But I think the next time we got together was at your apartment with mm -hmm. three acoustic guitars. And at that point, it was just kind of like, yeah, I think this can work. So. Can you believe we actually added a drummer? We could have just been three guys with acoustics and been out there doing something really cool, you know? <laughs> and then we added that stupid drummer. Come on, man. What were we thinking? Yes. <laughs> well, no, so glad we did. Cause I'll tell you something that was Lenny, Len was, Len was the first, um, I know that you had asked me, but we, we had talked about this a little bit earlier. Um, you know, Len was the first drummer that I played with regularly, mm -hmm. you know, and I was excited. I was excited to be in a full four piece band that could really like be loud and, you know, powerful and, and have all that all that dynamic there. So I was not sad at all when uh, Gyro broke up <laughs> and we were able to um, poach Lenny for for us. Because I have you here tonight, I am going to admit the fact that it was all by design on my part. <laughs> I'd met Tim. I didn't know you and Tim were friends. So when I'd known about you ahead of time, I had no clue 
that you and Tim had the friendship that you guys had, that you'd been friends playing. And Tim and I had gotten together and we were playing music. And then mm-hmm. Tim is all of a sudden like, well, my, my friend, Jeremy, Jeremy, Jeremy. And I found out that it was you. And I was like, well, this is the guy that I was being, been told about, you know, like I need to play mm-hmm. music with this guy. But at that point, Tim and I had been so invested in our, let's be these acoustic guys that it was a case of me not wanting to be like, let's try to start a full band. And right. I do still think to this day, having you kind of come in with an acoustic and we shaped a lot of songs together just on acoustic guitars before we yeah. put the full band together. I, I think it was a great way to go, but I did have this ulterior motive all along to create <laughs> a four piece rock band. As soon as yeah. I found out that you were a friend of Tim's, I was just like, right. And so that's why, you know, with Lenny, when he popped up, you know, it was just, you know, taking advantage of the moment, being right there, seize it and, you know, pull yeah. the people in. But yeah, you know, I, I, I had to wait to hear you really probably play lead guitar on a, a on an electric and cut through, you know, rock and roll music for a good six to nine months while we just jammed on acoustics. That's true. I never really thought about that. That's that's true. Probably the first time that we played together was the only time that we ever played together with me on an electric mm-hmm. guitar until Lenny joined the band. Yeah. Yeah. And that was because it. it was the three of us on acoustics like you know, for, yeah, I, I don't know if it was quite that long because I think it was April, okay. um, which was the, that was the, that was when you and Tim and I um, had gotten together at my apartment. And then I graduated from high school two months later. Didn't we play that's when, the, that's, the spring festival thingy at Mount Anthony? And that's where Lenny saw us. We, we played a trio show. Yeah, we did. The, there was the pops it, yeah, there festival was, or something. Is that what it was? It wasn't, no, it wasn't a pops concert. It was actually, it was, it was something, I don't remember why, what, what was sponsoring it or whatever but it was a night of but that was something that they used to do at the high school anyway like um you know kevin and scott and all those guys those bands used to play there yeah um and i don't i don't remember if it was what it was um but it was that that the three of us played together as cinder block baby gyra which was um the band that len was in at the time yep and um was that it was that just the that, two of that us might playing have been that, night? that that night? There. I think I think it actually was. It was just the two of us. They might have put. They might have even been the ones that put that together and put it on. And then we just um, showed up and and played ours. You know what? Right, because we it, opened for them. Was it Gyra or was it Crab Apple Sedan? It was Gyra. Okay. It was definitely okay. Gyra. Okay. I think Crab Apple Sedan came a little bit later. They did. They did. Yeah, they were but, a few years uh, behind G- It was definitely Gyra, because I remember their, their big tune that they played that night uh-huh. um, was was When I Come Around, the, the Green, Green Day, Day song. Yeah. <laughs> and they played it They played it like two or three times yeah. because they, they had, you know, they only had about eight songs. Yep. And, you know, that, that, I've seen bands do that mm-hmm. before. Actually, Europe was one of those bands that used to do that. They play the final countdown twice. Like they, they played at the beginning and then they played at the end. But that... um. <laughs> That's so funny. But uh, but yeah, I remember them playing that song um, to, to at least twice, um, you know, and the, and the crowd loved it. Yeah, you know? yeah. I, 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 uh, yeah. <laughs> I've, I've played gigs where we showed up and we played a song later in the night that we played earlier in the night. We might have done that maybe back in the day. I yeah. don't know. You know, it's it's the old standby. If you don't have enough songs or if they react, mm-hmm. if they don't like anything else we're playing. Do you remember the night that we went and played the wedding or the night, the day we went and played the wedding of one of Lenny's cousins and over at the firehouse. No, no, New, no. North we Benetton. went to Syracuse for this. It was a big car ride and we set up 
And it was this whole reception hall and we got up on stage and we had Cinderblock baby songs at a wedding where people wanted to hear dance music and get up and, you know, enjoy themselves. I totally don't remember that at all. I, I, I never, I don't remember being in Syracuse. We played Celebration by Cool and the Gang. Wow. That day, like two or three times. <laughs> Because it was the, that and like the rain in Spain were the only things we could play that people would get up and like dance to. And I, I, I really think we were on stage for all of about 20 minutes before we realized, it's probably why you don't remember it. We realized we don't belong here. We're just going to get off stage, let the DJ take over. And we packed uh -huh. our stuff up and we got in the car and we went back home. Wow. We might have that had a nice so meal funny. and, you know, Lenny's family mm -hmm. and people were there. But yeah, you know, it was a it was a case of oh, my cousin has a band, and here are these you know wannabe grunge slash punk slash guys. That's so funny. I remember playing at Candeleros, yeah, that Mexican yeah. restaurant, and that was a similar experience because we they like set us up in this booth, like the four of us yeah. with a drum set, all in this booth where four people would sit and eat. And as soon as we started playing, I think the doors like <laughs> blew right open. It was like a scene out of Spinal Tap or something. It was everybody yeah, left. <laughs> that was similar. We I don't I don't know that we played a full set that night either because I think the owners were like, uh, "Yeah, I, I think you guys are done." <laughs> <laughs> I, I in in defense of that evening, I do think that that was like a weird Sunday night kind of thing for us mm -hmm. to show up and play. And we got better at, at the scenes that we played, you know, we did well, yeah. you know, playing the, the under the tent and playing with mm -hmm. the other bands and the armory and the stuff that we've talked about in, in a couple oh, yeah. of the other shows, you know, we wound up actually, well, especially once we did the album, we were really tight yeah. too. Our timing was really good. Mm -hmm. And yeah, absolutely. You know. Absolutely. So, you know, you, you came to the band, you joined you you had, what I would say is the guitar that shaped the sound of Cinderblock Baby. You're, you're Paul Reed Smith. Tell me about this. Tell me about when you got it and tell me about how it still survives today. Well, I got that. I got that guitar. Um, I was a freshman in high school. That, that was that was 1991. Mm -hmm. So that guitar is turning 30 this Christmas. Mm -hmm. I had played. Um, can, it, wait, it was can, my third. can I ask? Because oh. was it a Santana influence? No, I actually, I knew I want, I knew I was getting like, I, it was time to pick out a new guitar because I had that, you know, my, my, I, that I had had this guitar that I had learned on, mm -hmm. um, that I took lessons on for six weeks. And then I had kind of cut my teeth on, um, and I had really just played the hell out of it really. Yeah. Um, and it was time I needed, I needed something newer and a, you know, a little bit of an upgrade from that, which I was going through different guitars and I was, I was really the thing about a Paul Reed Smith is that in a lot of ways, sort of in between a Les Paul and a Stratocaster, mm -hmm. like it's a lot of, it's, a, it's very, you know, uh, very in between, but with its own unique sound, you know, it doesn't sound like either of those, but it sort of gets into those areas and overlaps a little bit. And I was really kind of looking for something because I, I hadn't really, I guess, chosen a sound yet. At, at that point in 1991, it was really pivotal because I was just, you know, coming out of um, all of that, you know, flashy guitar stuff and all the, you know, hair, mm -hmm. you know, whatever you want to call it, the glam metal that was that was around at that point, all those um, pop, you know, rock uh, hair bands. I was it was coming out of that going into grunge and. You know, I still had my foot in both of those worlds at that point, even though, you know, the minute I heard Nirvana, I was like, okay, you know, the, the, it, this is it. Um, mm -hmm. But I still had my foot in both of those worlds. And if you remember all through like the early 90s, there was still a lot of that music that was still prevalent, 
Um, yeah. You know, you had yeah. about 90% of those bands that just died off and rightly so. And then you had the, the good ones, the, the, the last 10% of them that actually made viable music and wasn't all about like everybody playing the same song and, you know, all the cliche stuff. And so I was kind of looking for something that could do both of those things. Like I wanted to be able mm-hmm. to play Pearl Jam, but I also wanted to be able to play yeah. Eddie Van Halen stuff too. And so the Paul mm-hmm. Reed Smith really fit that category. And, and, and it still kind of does because it, you can really, you know, hit upon a lot of different sounds in that, in just that one instrument. Um, which I've kind of always liked, you know, I don't really, I mean, I guess it would be nice to have a big collection of guitars, but it's also nice to be able to get a lot of sounds off of one guitar too. And of course, a lot of it's in the hands. Um, But, you know, having something that isn't necessarily geared towards one particular genre or style of music is, is, uh, is, is a good and versatile thing to have. So, so that's what, you know, had I picked that, I picked that guitar out because of that really. Um, and it's served me well. I mean, I've had other guitars throughout the years, but I still do have that guitar. It still plays great. Um, it's amazing. And it still sounds just like the Cinderblock Baby album. If I pull that guitar out, <laughs> take it down a half step to E flat and play the opening to game, it's the only thing like it, it will immediately take you right back to the, the way it sounds on that on that CD. It's it's even without it being plugged <laughs> into an amp. It just That's amazing. That and you're probably the only person that can capture that sound today. Yeah. Really? You know, that that's incredible. I, uh, I I think before the show, I'd spoken to you and I said I was going to bring it up and talk about the guitar. And you said that Tim, you think, also cut his tracks on it. So it makes sense that that guitar is the complete yeah, sound. Absolutely. Really, you know, of Super Block Baby and what we And did. again, it comes back you know, to the and- hands, too, because you wouldn't know that. I'm 99% sure that at least most of the tracks were cut on that guitar um by Mm -hmm. both tim and myself but um you wouldn't know it because tim has such a different approach and a different touch and you know a different playing style yeah yeah, yeah. you wouldn't you wouldn't necessarily know that so yeah Mm -hmm. um you know what's funny is i'll say this straight out you know uh, tim's playing style rhythmically has always reminded me of niles rogers Hmm. if that makes sense to you sure you know, the, you know, Tim has that kind of funky yeah, sense in his playing. It's the groove. Yeah, and I, I can hear what I can hear what you're saying. Like, there's a different slap on the mm-hmm. strings and the way that he played it, and that's why it sounded different between two different guitar players. Oh, it was great. I mean, I always felt like uh, the, you know he and I had this interplay that was almost like, um, you know, when you do it, it from a melodic standpoint, it's called counterpoint. Mm-hmm. Uh, are you familiar with that? Where you know you're 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 kind of hitting opposite ends of the melodic spectrum yeah yeah. um tim and i kind of had this way of rhythmically we would almost play two different patterns over each other to make that work um in at sometimes and it it was a really cool thing when we got that happening that that, that sort of simultaneous groove it was great it was great it was it was it's good to be part of that and so after after we finished with Cinderblock Baby, you got a chance to play with Brian. You got a chance to go play with Chuck, who I talked about earlier. You know, we have we've always had a lot of right. admiration for you know what Chuck has done, and uh, you know he was a great friend to us. Like I, Chuck actually was there from I I had known Chuck longer yeah, than any yeah. of you guys. I'm not honestly. surprised. I've known yeah. Chuck, I had known Chuck longer than yeah. I knew Tim. He was one of the first musical people I met. Um, you know, that was sort of like a contemporary. Mm-hmm. You know, I met him right at the same time I started taking guitar lessons. Um, well, Chuck would show up over at Kevin's house after he'd just been hanging out at yours, you know, oh, and, okay. yeah. you know, he'd show up over after just being at yours. And, he, you know, that's where I knew about you. And I'd hear about, you know, the different type of playing style. And I think Chuck, mm-hmm. I think he enjoyed that and appreciated it. 
because right. I do think, you know, Kevin, Kevin could play anything. We know that, but I, you know, he had a, a, a what I, a highbrow opinion of what he would be willing to play. And mm-hmm. you had learned all those songs from your tabs and your books and things like that. And I think Chuck just loved you as a guitar player because you could whip out crazy train, you know, right. and you, and you would do it without complaining. Well, Cause about Chuck it. was a jukebox too. Chuck yeah, was one of exactly. those guys like that was, he could, you know, he knew every song, especially like popular songs from the radio. He knew it all. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, and he, could and he loved music yeah, and he loved music yep. the same way that you did, you know? And yeah. Yeah. So with your, you know, playing with, with get down Sammy, that kind of gave you an experience that I wasn't able to give you. One of the other things I'll say, and I'm not trying to make excuses about my bad musicianship and everything I did that was, you know, not as great in those days, but we, we don't talk about it in these shows. I became a bass player by default in Cinderblock Baby. I was not a bass player. I'd never picked one up or thought about being one until all of a sudden it came down to like a band practice decision between whether it was going to be Tim or I. And the thing is, is it was logical because you and Tim played guitar so well together that that only made good sense. But suddenly there I was having to learn how to play all the bass lines to the song and sing them at the same time. <laughs> and, but, but I think the roadblock in playing with that for you guys is that I didn't have five to 10 years or five years of bass playing behind me. I didn't have all of this jam. I didn't learn all the Nirvana songs. I didn't learn all the Pearl Jam tunes. I didn't learn all of that. I was putting all my time and effort into making sure I could do what we were doing live because Mm -hmm. playing bass and singing isn't easy. You know, it is a difficult task. Oh man. You know, I I actually, it's funny that you mentioned that because I'm sure that you never would have thought about it this way from my point of view but I, I actually I had a I had an, an awful lot of respect for what you were doing because I don't know that I would have been able to do that so gracefully as the way you did um, to be able to just pick up an instrument and you know okay I'm going to be a bass player now in this band, you know and I've, I've never really played bass before but you know here it is okay let's there do we, it all right here we go you know um you know, that would have been a very awkward thing for me. Have Had the tables been turned and all of a sudden it was like, okay, you're going to play bass, Jeremy. I would have been like, uh, <laughs> oh, okay. You know, I mean, it would have, you know, it, I would have been able to probably make it work, but at the same time, it was like, <laughs> I really appreciated your approach to that too, because sometimes, you know, not that it, I'm not going to say that, that having um, training or experience or anything like that is, um, you know, a bad thing, you know, there's, there's kind mm-hmm. of this, this idea sometimes that theory takes away from your creativity. Yeah, um, I yeah. think it's all your approach to that. Um, but I also thought it was really um, a, a cool thing that you didn't have all this pretense behind you about like, okay, this is what I'm supposed to do here. I didn't even know and what kind is- of equipment I should have. <laughs> <laughs> it worked, you know, Yeah, it was good. You know, I, I, you know, but after you were able to go and play with, you know, guys who played Zeppelin, you know, you're able to go and get on stage and, you know, I hear stories and I wish I'd been there and I wish I'd seen it about, you know, you playing what is and what should never be and taking a beer bottle off of the table or wherever you were and bringing it up and using that as your slide while you were playing, you know, so tell me a little bit about what you were able to do with, with playing with get down Sammy. Cause get down Sammy, in my opinion, you had that cool approach of 
a lot of originals that you had. You had the CD and the album, but then you had your yep. cover tunes that allowed you to play the bar scene mm-hmm. and got you in some of those places. Tell me a little bit about playing with those guys. Well, that's the thing. And, and we had a little bit of this with um, Cinderblock Baby as well, is that, you know, you got the you got the crowd pleasers. You got you got to mm-hmm. bring people in the door with stuff they already know or, you know. So we, we did about 70, 75% originals and then the rest of it was cover tunes. And so, you know, and I think it was still the same kind of way with Cinder Black Baby. I remember playing Hendrix tunes and stuff like that. With, well, we um, played a lot of Voodoo Child. Baby. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and some, some interesting selections as well. I seem to remember playing uh, Express Yourself on uh, the show, Express Yourself, too. Um, and the, the uh, Express Yourself... Yeah, we played uh, we played Madonna's "Express Yourself." <laughs> I don't remember for the that. ending credits <laughs> of the show "Express Yourself" that we played on Cat TV. Did we intentionally um, you know, learn it to do that? No, uh, I think that was. I think we had maybe played it once or twice because okay. you knew it, um, and it oh, wasn't. Boy. You know, it was. It was the Cinderblock Baby version of the song. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That and was it makes sense that I knew could, it for some reason. We could take reason. any song and and just distill it down to like four open accords <laughs> on an acoustic. Um, you know, going back to what we were talking about earlier, but, but with, um, with, with get down, Sammy, it was, you know, it was, it was a lot more fast and loose. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, it wasn't, uh, I I'll say that, um, a lot of the stuff we did in that band was not nearly as tight as the stuff we were doing in cinder block baby, you know, um, but it was definitely, um, you know, a lot faster and looser and, you know, it was, uh, it was more, more raucous and it was fun, you know, it was fun. And you did, we, we did, you know, kind of try to figure out how we could really like get as much, um, you know, uh, get the crowd really into it as, as much as we could too. things mm-hmm. like that, you know, little things like that beer bottle solo. I do remember doing that. Part of the reason I remember doing that is because, um, you know, I did it once or twice and then it became one of those things that like people were hoping would happen. Oh, it's like, Case going to pick up the beer bottle. Yes. Right. You know? <laughs> I think um, I think we did a version of U2's Bullet to Blue Sky, too, that I, I might have done that a couple times with, too. Nice. Um, you know, I didn't want it to be too hokey or campy or anything like that, but it was fun to play Led Zeppelin with the beer bottle. The, the, the beer bottle thing was something I did one night. I mean, we were playing a bar and I happened I remember happened to have a Corona. And if, you, you know, a Corona is gla- it doesn't have a paper label yeah, on no it. Paper it's glass all the way around. It's like silkscreen. So I just remember like having a Corona while we were playing that song. And, um, you know, I just played the solo, the slide solo with the beer bottle and, uh, you know, it, it worked and everybody thought it was really <laughs> cool. So I was like, okay. So it became, you know, novelty. It, it kind of came, became part of the show for a little while yeah. there. Yeah. Um, you know, and it made it interesting for me. It made it fun to like, it was something kind of fun to do, you know, <laughs> It's not a really complex solo. It's not like you're playing an Allman Brothers song or something no, like that. No. Or... Wow. You know, um, after playing music, you and I kind of led a similar path where we just kind of both slid into life and, you know, got on with jobs and became married men. And, you know, you've got a, a couple of boys now that are in their teenage years. You're going to be watching yep. them drive soon, which will be crazy funny. Uh, good luck <laughs> with that. Enjoy. Yeah, uh, thank you. you know, but but it's it's been incredible to see, you know, your life blossom and grow and the things that you've gone on to be able to do after the band. You know, it's great. Do you, do yeah, you, you too. Do you, do you ever get that urge to go back and play your jam with people? Is, is that an itch you're ever going to scratch again? 
You know, I, I do. I do occasionally get that. Yes. Um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's one of those things it's, it's, it's hard to get back into because it's one of those things that I, I kind of feel like takes a little bit of a commitment. It's not necessarily something that I would just do like once in a while, you yeah, know, yeah. um, it takes a little bit of a commitment to get back into it. Um, but, uh, you know, I do still, I have my guitar set up and I can grab it anytime I want. And, and I do, you know, occasionally it was actually what, what really made it fun for me most recently was my son decided that he wanted to play bass. And so, you know, he, I taught him a few songs on the bass and we actually played them together a couple of times. And it it was really cool. You know, Mm -hmm. I I could, you know, it's really funny that, you know, I do, I do, I still enjoy music just as much as I always did. It's kind of funny if, if I've always said, if my kids ever decide they're going to start a band, I'll be happy to like drive all their gear everywhere, <laughs> and, like, get their money from whoever's supposed to pay us. And like, you're going to be that dad. Band. That's fine. That's awesome. You know, I, but uh, yeah, you know, maybe sometime I, I you know, I, I still in kind of envision myself as an old geezer on the porch, you know, picking on an old acoustic guitar and mm-hmm. having a good time you know, the, the skill that you developed when you were younger, the ear that you had for music, it's not one of those things that I could ever see leaving the fingertips of your hands with that guitar, especially that Paul Reed Smith. <laughs> Wait, what do you, what do you play these days? Oh, I actually, I still, I still have that Paul, you know, that's probably the, the, the guitar I go to most is that's that amazing. One. Yeah. Yeah. It just, you know, it's, it feels like a, it's, it's something that uh, it just feels like home. You know, mm-hmm. it's very comfortable. That's great, though, to hear that you're still playing that, Jeremy. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm really happy that you've come on the show tonight. I'm going to wrap the show up. Can you hang on for one second? And I'll come right yeah, back sure. to you. Cool. Hey, everybody, thank you for listening to So I Used to Be in a Band. A uh, fantastic time. The show probably ran a little long tonight, chatting with Jeremy. I, I don't think anybody's gotten this much chat out of Jeremy in 20 years. So, Jeremy... Thank you very much for coming on the show. It was a pleasure to have you here, and I uh, look forward to the time that I get to visit you again soon. So take care, okay? Thanks, Jim. You're welcome. Everybody, thank you for listening. I really appreciate it. Until next time, see ya. Bring it back!